You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast, episode 52, called Blended Learning Best Practices. In this episode, we sit down and talk with a blended learning expert to talk about best practices, the PAC framework, and some edtech tools that work in the blended learning classroom. Check it out. like to welcome everyone to our very first EduMentor episode of Got Tech the Podcast. Each EduMentor episode will feature an expert educator guest who can mentor us and our listeners. The featured EduMentor is an expert in their field who's using that knowledge to innovate and do great things. We hope that their ideas inspire your own as you listen. Also, please check out the upcoming hashtag EduMentor Twitter chat every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Follow us on Twitter at WeGotTech to stay up to date so you don't miss this exciting new chat. Now, stay tuned for this episode's EduMentor. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech. Our guest today is a mother of three from Ohio, a blended learning coach, a Google certified educator, moderator of hashtag BL in action Twitter chat, and a transformation agent for learning innovation catalyst, AKA Link. We'd like to welcome our first edu mentor, Charity Dodd. Welcome Charity to the podcast today. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. Um, so excited to be here. Uh, I listen to your podcast all the time. Share it with everyone. Matter of fact, I listen to it over and over again and um, take notes. So Yeah, that's awesome. We love to hear that. And we always appreciate your willingness to kind of share our stuff and help spread the word, um, which I think is kind of an interesting segue since you uh, mentioned sharing stuff. Of course, a lot of that involves social media. One of the things that we know you best from is the, that Twitter universe and how educators have sort of burrowed out their own little corner of that. And in particular, you run uh, sh- something called hashtag BL, which I'm, I'm pretty sure stands for blended learning in action. Mm-hmm. Could you just tell us a little bit about what that is, how it works, maybe even for people who aren't as active on Twitter. I know there's a lot lot of educators who aren't even aware necessarily that there is this giant space in social media out there for them. Absolutely. Um, BL in action is blended learning in action, and it comes actually from the um, authors of Blended Learning in Action, who are Catlin Tucker, Tiffany Wyckoff, and Jason Green, who are the um, founders of, co-founders of um, Learning Innovation Catalyst. So Catlin is an advisor and we just, we, they used to have a slow chat and we just started to have a chat on um, Tuesday nights at 8.30 and just to get people talking more about blended learning and all the things that go with it. Yeah, I know. I frequent that chat a lot now. It's one of my favorites. Uh, it's probably a toss-up between that one and Mastery Chat. I do like Mastery Chat with the EdTech team, but uh, this one is taking over because I just feel that the discussions are so valuable and I, I get a lot from that. Uh, the regulars that are in that chat share a lot of resources, and I'm not going to lie, sometimes we take them and we uh, put them on the show. We hear something new, and, and that's what this whole PLN is uh, all about. I was just wondering if you can kind of describe your PLN 
outside of the blended in action, if you take yourself through a regular week, how do you interact with your PLN? Sometimes I'm, if I'm in a school and a teacher wants to know something and I don't have the answer, if I'm coaching them, I, I'll reach out to my PLN and just put it out there and say, does anybody know a tool for this or a strategy um, for this? And it's amazing the strong PLN that you have outside of what you're doing and how they can, how they respond to you. And they're just really there to support you. And um, I know they're there to support me and they know I'm there to support them. Okay. So I, I have a sort of a follow-up to that. Uh, Charity, I know um, you work for, or a part of the uh, link learning right now. How did you transition mm -hmm. to that from, uh, were you, were you a teacher prior to this? What was it like for you to kind of make the switch or how did you end up in this current role? Yeah. So I was a teacher um, and a school counselor, which I am still very passionate about. And I, I did some coaching and then I got connected with Jason and Tiffany um, through one of my um, connections and I started writing content for them. Uh, we have a professional learning platform. I started writing content for them and then they asked me to come on board to start coaching with them and I was thrilled to do this. They are always genuinely looking out for how to support the educators. Um, so in turn, we can, you know, make the best learning experiences for our students. Okay. And then maybe because I know I just started the past uh, couple weeks or so kind of looking through at linklearning.com uh, to sort of get a feel for what it is. Could you maybe give like a big picture sort of umbrella description of that for any teachers who are listening and maybe interested in checking this out? Absolutely. So um, again, Tiffany uh, Wyckoff and Jason Green and another co-founder, Jaime, created Link to um, really transform schools, the way schools look. And our work is grounded in research from one of our of our advisors, Dr. Arnitha Ball. She is a Stanford University professor and she created the model of generative change. And generative means that um, teachers are continuously reflecting and changing. So we're not going in and trying something and it didn't work and so we give up on it, right? So we're constantly um, looking, we're reflecting. We don't reflect enough in our, in our work as teachers. We don't find the time to do that. So we created, um, we operationalized the model so it recognizes teachers as agents, not objects of classroom transformation. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, change agents, uh, it's a big part of education. And really, it for me, in my personal experience with our building, the more change agents you could get in one area, the better. Uh, it just brings up the climate of the whole school and really the practice of the whole school. So going along with uh, this approach, can you get into that approach just a little bit more so we know what this approach is all about? Absolutely. So our approach is pretty simple. It's um, We call it Reflect, Tinker, Grow. So we created a platform called LinkSpring, and it's a personalized learning platform for teachers that they can access 24-7. And most recently, it's been and given the ISTE seal of alignment to educator standards from ISTE. So pretty proud of that um, accomplishment. So what teachers do is they, through reflection, teachers become aware of their strengths, 
their growth areas, and really become more conscious of the diverse needs of our students. And then Tinker is where we're inviting them to try new practices and strategies in their classrooms with our support um, to, to increase, you know, student agency, student engagement, because that's what we're after, right? And then the grow piece is, so you implemented that in your classroom. Now let's talk about what went well and what you want to iterate on and how, how can we build new opportunities for both students and adults to learn in new ways. And then we as coaches, we support them through this learning platform. And then um, when we go into the buildings, we'll, we'll support them as well. Okay, okay, so if I'm a teacher and I and I sort of enroll in uh, Link Spring, you guys will guide me through this process of reflecting, tinkering, and, and growing as part of this, this model uh, as like an effective way to sort of improve your teaching practice and incorporate blended learning or, or whatever it is you want to do. Do I have the the whole kind of setup right there in my head. Yes, yes. And it's it's really nice because we ha- you have that constant support from a coach. So I can be in Ohio with some of my teachers in Baltimore and I can see what they're doing. I can see the lessons they're creating. Um, I can see their struggles and then I can get on there and support them uh, virtually. I can support them um, when I go to visit them in person as well. So it's constant support for our teachers. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I know there's a lot of places online to teachers can get PD, but I think what's missing from a lot of that is this idea of having contact uh, when you need with a real human, like you said, a coach to kind of bounce things off of. Uh, because of course, as, as we all know, and anybody who's ever been involved in PD, that's when the best stuff happens, not only when you can reflect, but then when you can sort of share that and, and talk with with any other uh, professional, but especially an expert like you guys seem to offer. So that's uh, that's really, really cool. So let's like transfer from the whole, I don't know, personalized learning into the blended learning piece. All right, so to me, personalized learning, blended learning, and a couple other teaching strategies kind of overlap and without of a better word, blend together. So mm-hmm. I was just hoping to kind of transfer into blended learning and how this personalized learning approach fits into the blended learning space. So what what is your big definition of blended learning? Because there are so many out there. Let's just try to solidify a definition for our listeners. Absolutely. Uh, you're right. There's so many definitions. Um, and the most reference is probably um, the Christensen Institute, which, you know, we follow as well. It's it's formal education, which in part is through online learning with students having some element of control over time, place, path, and pace. Um, but it's also in a, in a supervised brick and mortar location away from home. And at Link, we suggest that when blended learning is successfully implemented, it enables the hallmarks of our um, framework that we call the PACK. It's P-A-A-C-C. And what that stands for is personalization, agency, authenticity, connectivity, and creativity. So using the, the elements or the hallmarks of the PACK framework, this helps to guide the transition to a student-centered classroom. So it really gives the teacher a place to start. So one of the things, and I checked out uh, Pack. I don't know, about two weeks ago when I first started looking at Link. One thing I really like about this is you have your personalization at the top, and you're including these personalization practices into agency, authenticity, connectivity, and creativity. But at the end of that, we go back, and this is kind of where the reflection piece comes in along with the data. How does data, why is data so important to this process? Well, if we're not looking at the data, we don't know what we need to improve upon. 
right? So in really taking this, this idea of this reflect, tinker, grow into, into PLCs and to look at, okay, you tried this. Um, how did it go? What, what data were you looking for? Did you find it? And if not, let's iterate. So if, if we're not looking at the data, how do we know where to improve? Yeah, right. And I think this uh, framework also kind of ties into action research a little bit because you're implementing something, you have all this data that you collect during the implementation, you reflect on what worked, and then you're back to action research again. And it's a constant growth pattern uh, within this pack and also the, I almost said park again, because that's our state testing <laughs> So I keep looking down to make sure I got the, the right word here. But you have PAC, you have this, it's constant investigation. It's, it's to me, it's a little bit more cyclic uh, than some of our other, other investigative practices. So I think that's just an awesome uh, framework. And to be honest with you, I think this is something that, you know, our district should probably look at a little bit. Yeah, the pack really appealed to me as, as a framework for learning and for teachers to use. I think it's something that we're definitely going to explore and highlight a little bit more, especially in this context of blended learning and sort of how to do it and what it is. And it, one thing it got me thinking about charity was we, our, our district introduced blended learning to us. I don't know, this is probably going back, what, five, six, maybe more than that. So it's been a while now. And we, you know, Geis and I, we were part of the process of kind of rolling it out. We put together this whole, basically an online course with videos and everything else. But it's funny how different teachers interpret that so differently and have these misconceptions about what blended learning actually is. So from your perspective, as someone's someone whose now job it is to sort of coach people in this world, are there any like major misconceptions that, that sort of you see that you might like to use this opportunity to, to dispel or, or explain to people? Oh, Yes, actually, um, there there are many misconceptions, but two major ones. First, I'll start with um, the most common misconception is that blended learning starts with the technology, right? And that's that is a quick way to overwhelm teachers and students. There's so much technology out there. Teachers are given, you know, LMSs, devices, and um, they they just are like, I don't want any part of this. But blended learning really should begin with the culture. So you have to have a shared uh, culture of shared values in place created by all your stakeholders, and that includes your student for a successful blended learning implementation. And culture mindset is a big piece of our work at Link. And some of the things that we consider when we look at culture is, are the teachers willing and encouraged to try new strategy? Are they collaborating with others? Um, are they given that freedom to try and fail and try again? Not only teachers, but our students' mindsets as well. Are the students ready to use technology academically? And that, that brings me into another misconception that we as adults think that students know how to use technology. And right, they're digital natives after all, right? And they should be able to come into the classroom and know what to do with this technology. And really, they should be teaching me, right? And that's really not the way it is. And it becomes a huge yeah. frustration for teachers. We have to onboard our students into the digital classroom. You know, they know how to use Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok. But when it comes to using technology for academic purposes, they're lost. And, and we've heard these frustrations over and over again from our teachers. Sometimes our students don't even bring their devices to school. Teachers didn't understand it. So I I sat down with a group of students and asked them, why don't you bring your devices to school? And they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel comfortable knowing how to turn in their digital assignments or where to locate them. And especially at the middle and high school level, they're not gonna ask. 
So it's just easier not to bring the device just to say, oh, I forgot my device. Yeah. So both of these misconceptions are on point and we have run into them even in our own buildings. Uh, the first one that blended learning starts with technology. Uh, we agree. Got Tech agrees with this because we always say that, you know, technology should only be used to enhance a lesson. And if you're starting technology first and you're working kind of backwards, we could be abusive to our technology usages in the classroom. So we're right on board with you on that one. And the whole digital natives piece, I, I will agree with you 100%. TikTok, they are professional <laughs> when it comes to TikTok. I mean, you walk down our hallways during our lunch period, which is like an open campus period. Uh, they could stay in the building, eat lunch wherever they want. And, you know, you, you, you see the windscreen dance while they're rapping some lyrics or something like that. And anytime I have a a chance to TikTok bomb them, I, I will get up there and I will start doing whatever they're doing in the background. But you're right, outside of that, they do lack some of the educational skills that we need to prepare them for in the real world. So I 100% agree with both of those two misconceptions. Yeah, me too. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because it's always kind of been something that bothered me from the start with blended learning. Again, when it was sort of introduced to our school district, that's what we were told. You know, all, uh, that we were told that, the, you know, your students are so familiar with technology. This is where we have to meet them. And most of the time, teachers, they should be the ones that come in and explain it to you. So I was like, oh, okay, great. But if you just walked in and, you know, said, okay, guys, so today I want you to all go to, I don't know, just pick a thing, say, go to Flipgrid and, and use it. They would all stare at you and, and say, what are you, what are you talking about? Use it. Like, how do I use it? Because they don't know educationally how to use these things. So the, the term digital native, I think is a dangerous one. And I think it can actually turn teachers off of the whole process because they, they enter it with that mindset of, oh, this is, you know, going to be better for kids. And this is where they are comfortable. And as it turns out, they're not. So it can give you sort of a bad experience from the beginning. So I'm, I'm happy we got to acknowledge that. Yes. Um, and so so hearing this message from teachers, I created a, an onboarding um, cycle is what we call that in LinkSpring for our teachers to use to create what they need to create to onboard their students. So anything essentially that the teacher anticipates students will struggle with, like I said, how do I turn in digital assignments? How do I access them? Um, how do I organize my files? They'll be saving things all over the place and you know, then they can't find them. And so um, that's why I love what I do. I, I hear the teachers and then I get to create possibilities for them to make their lives better. You are a problem solver for sure. And, and when I switched from science teacher over to media and tech specialist, tech coach, whatever you want to call me, I don't even know what my proper title is, but whenever I switched over, I, I got to explore these same opportunities. I hear problems, I get to make solutions, I get to be creative. And it's just, uh, for me, it's just a fulfilling reward to come into work every day and be able to do this. I also just thought of a third kind of misconception that blended learning and flipped classroom and, you know, these other tech centric, well, People think they're tech-centric, and they are in some ways, shape, or form sometimes, but screen time. Everyone says that these practices kind of, you know, make the screen time a significant issue because when they're at home, they're on their cellular devices, they're on their laptops or tablets, and then all of a sudden at school, we want to make it so every single day, every single period, this is the misconception that they're going to be on their, their devices. So... Me personally, I just want to get your opinion on when you look at blended learning, do we 
as teachers need to use a tech tool for every single thing throughout the day? What is the average time that we feel that, you know, students are on some type of screen? I'm going to open it up to actually both of you, see what both of you think. I have my own personal thoughts and opinions on this. So I'll, I'll jump in quick first because I have a, one thing I always like to point out with blended learning. It's why it appealed to me from the very beginning and that is that it doesn't, I think blended learning acknowledges that there are some teaching practices that don't use technology that you can still use. And that's literally why it's called blended learning is it's a mixture of there's times where you should be using the tech because it supports and adds in ways that were never possible before. But then here's these, you know, this pool of really experienced classroom teachers that can do great things without technology. And that's important too. And it's about blending those two things together, finding what works with tech, what doesn't work with tech. So I think the whole idea of, you know, adding screen time, yeah, sure, blended learning can add screen time, but it's not all that additional screen time. And I think when what is there, uh, as long as you're only using it for things that are effective and enhance the learning, I think it's I think it's totally, uh, totally worth it. And I, I don't think enough teachers acknowledge uh, that blended aspect of it. Yeah, great point, Nick. There's a balance, right? There's a balance when we talk about um, using the technology and being off the technology. So when when we work with teachers and, and we want to talk about blended learning, like you said, it, is it going to enhance the learning? And what I like about it is if you have a tool that's going to enhance the learning, that gives the teacher more time to work with small groups of students and build those relationships. And I'll tell you that the students, absolutely, they love that part. Even high school students, they love when I ask students, what's your favorite part about blended learning? They say it's working in a small group with my teacher. And so when we go into work with teachers, we definitely point out that there is a balance and that if you have a station rotation, you know, make it balanced. Not everything needs to rotate on technology. So have some collaboration um, with your students and then have have offline stations. And then even if we're talking about a whole group rotation, so maybe the whole group's on technology and then pull them off the technology. So keep that balance. But most importantly, meeting the using that technology to enhance learning and meeting the needs of the students by creating more time for the teacher to be with students in small or individual groups. Yeah, I think just to piggyback off that, it's one of the coolest things I've seen with blended learning and just my own experience over the past couple months is at a chemistry class. These are just, you know, sophomore students, not in an advanced class. They're just your, your average run-of-the-mill kid in this, you know, in a chemistry course because they have to be. They didn't choose to be there. It's, you know, state-mandated. They're showing up because they were told to. Um, and they came in having watched, it was a flipped flipped lesson. So they came in having watched a video the night before. They answered some questions about that video and what they saw. So I knew what they understood, what they didn't. We reviewed as a large group together. They had a piece of paper and a pencil in front of them as they tried some things on paper. They went back to lab stations where they were completing a lab. While they were completing the lab and working with their hands and chemicals and actual physical things, they had a computer simulation up that was modeling the kind of showing them the science behind what they were seeing in the lab. They were talking to each other. They were filling things out on Google Docs uh, as a group. And I was just sort of standing up at the front of the room watching this happen. And I was like, this is the full circle thing that I wanted from the very beginning where there's face-to-face interaction. They're using the computers, not as like, you know, they're not staring at the screen individually and silent. They're all talking to each other, being supported by the tech. And as a science person, I was pumped they were doing it in the lab too. So that was pretty cool. But I just think that's that's really what blended learning, at least for me, is all about. And I was happy to see that. And I'm happy we're addressing that today because I think that's uh, it's important that teachers have this true vision of it and um 
I think that's kind of a good way to maybe wind this down and just talk about, okay, so we've got our, our Twitter chat, hashtag BL in action. We've got linklearning.com that teachers can check out. For all the people that are just listening to this today and, and um, want to just get some great ideas now, what are some of the best practices of blended learning that we can sort of sort of share? So maybe, Charity, if you could start us off from your perspective and your role, what, do you, what could we mention here as a blended learning best practice or project ideas or, or really anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- I think uh, a best practice is definitely to prepare your learners. We can't assume that they're going to adapt to become owners of their learning. Um, they're just not used to it. So make sure you share the why behind what is being asked of them to do. Um, create a shared vision for their new roles and the teacher's new role. Co-create routines and structure, structures and practice them. As we're talking about technology, create a digital toolbox for yourself with relevant tools that work for you and your students. The PAC framework, is that a part of this? Do you see that fitting in with some of these best practices? Yes. And we just released a PAC framework um, playbook. And um, I shared the link with that for our listeners today that it goes through each of the elements of the PAC framework and gives examples of how you can implement that in your classroom with and without tools. I looked over it. I was very excited to read through the PAC ebook. Uh, we will definitely put that in the show notes. I don't know. This was this was a, a joy to have you on here to talk about blended learning. But before we get into our next like mini game segment where we'll uh, explain explore some, you know, things outside of blended learning. What are some ed tech tools? What are your go-to ed tech tools while implementing blended learning activities? I know it shouldn't be the starting point, but what are the tools that you keep coming back to over and over and over again? Yes. Um, so again, so many tools. Um, I love Edpuzzle, which I think a lot of people will know what that is. Recently, I've been sharing Explain Everything, um, which allows teachers to use an interactive whiteboard to explain concepts while recording um, every move and every word the teacher is making. And I love that because I love that it's so easy to create a link for the teacher to upload to an, a learning management system or to share with their students. So it's so important to have those recordings for our students who don't get it right away. And um, or maybe too just too shy to ask uh, the teacher over again. And I love that students can record on that too, so they can they can record themselves completing uh, an assignment or like a math problem and explain themselves um, narrating their thinking. Uh, teachers can import photos, PDF files, movies, websites, and they can really they can annotate on that and just make it come to life for their students. Those are very awesome ones. I was just uh, before having a conversation with Nick. About about uh, one that you listed uh, that is called Google Lit Trips. And I have never heard of this one. And me personally, I I was just like, I, I want to know more. I went on to the, the website, but I think uh, if you actually have personal experience with it, I would love to hear what that is and what Google Lit Trips is all about. Yeah, that is a really fun one that a lot of people don't hear about. So Lit Trips are downloadable files that mark the journeys of characters from famous literature on the surface of Google Earth. So along the way, then they have um, place marks with pop-up windows that contain just-in-time resources um, that has media on there, thought-provoking discussion starters, links to other information about real-world references. So 
students really get to see their characters come to life in, in the setting of the story. That is super cool. I will definitely check that one out and uh, share that with some of our other teachers, especially our English teachers here at the school. Yeah, and um, I think there's something that you were telling us about earlier uh, related to the Link Learning Charity, and that's the uh, the digital toolbox, which I think sort of is a nice way to wrap up these, uh, you know, sort of our go-tos. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, our digital toolbox uh, has has the elements, again, going back to the pack. It has suggested digital tools for each element of the pack and suggested tools for assessment and formative assessment and just any uh, technology that might be relevant that we have curated for the teacher. And you can go to our website and download that as well for free. For anybody listening, we'll have all these uh, links in the show notes. So if you can Google it and find it pretty easily, but definitely check out our gottech.com for the show notes there too. And I think that just about wraps it up. We should call this segment everything you need to know about blended learning because I think we pretty much got it all, guys. And we're going to move into our final segment where we get back to uh, something we haven't done for a while. That is the Got Tech Hot Seat as we put uh, Charity Dodd in the Got Tech Hot Seat. So stay tuned. Okay, so welcome back for our final segment, the Got Tech Hot Seat, today with Charity Dodd. Um, if you haven't heard the Got Tech Hot Seat before, it's uh, basically a rapid fire style question and answer where guys will try to uh, not necessarily stump, but just as quick as possible, ask Charity about some of her favorite tech and just her favorite uh, opinions on things and just share whatever she, whatever first comes out of her head. So Charity, do you feel prepared to uh, withstand the Got Tech Hot Seat today? I am ready. Guys, do you have your questions lined up? I I do, but I, I, I have to laugh a little bit because he said that I was going to read them off as quick as possible, and he started chuckling a little bit because he knows that I talk slow. But yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> well, as quick as possible for you. It's still going to be slow, but... All right. All right. Anyways, so he, whenever you're good, you can uh, get started. Oh, and then when, when he's done, of course, I will uh, choose my favorite of Charity's responses to sort of inquire a little bit about. All right. Here we go. What are your top three favorite extensions? All right. Screencastify. I love Pear Deck. And I love Kami for collaboration on PDF documents. Cool. What is your go-to teaching activity? So I'm not a teacher, but in PD, I love doing station rotation, anything that involves collaboration and anything that involves all voices to be heard. Would you rather be a mentor or a mentee? I'd rather be a mentor. Uh, my passion is helping others is what fulfills me. And um, I'd rather do that. What is your favorite educational quote? Okay, so this is from Margaret Mead. Children must be taught how to think, not what to think. Yeah, I love that one. Who is someone in your PLN that we should follow on social media? All right, so I said Geis and Nick, and this is for the listeners, <laughs> not for you two to follow. <laughs> All right, appreciate that. That's nice. Uh, what are three things you look for in a PD? I look for personalization. I tried to give this to my teachers, giving teachers time and space to practice what I'm sharing with them, and collaboration. Very good. And Microsoft or Google? Google. Definitely, 100%. All right, so great responses overall. I have two things I want to ask you about from that. Um, the first one is you mentioned station rotation as sort of like your go-to teaching activity. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, may, uh, could you give like maybe your, uh, this could be anything, like an example of maybe the best station rotation you've seen, the most success, or just a good way to sort of start approaching that for someone who wants to give it a try? Sure, station rotation, you can have um, as many stations as you want. I suggest starting with two or three stations. Um, 
One station's with the teacher in small groups. One station might be a digital station practicing with adaptive technology. And one station is collaboration, students working together. I, I will, I have to jump in here because you said that you're not a teacher. You deliver professional development. Uh, I just got to point out that those are still teachers. You're still teaching teachers. So that still makes you a teacher. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. <laughs> I have to keep reminding myself when I say, I, I wish I was back to teaching. Well, I, I still teach just in a different way. Yeah, that's a good point. And then um, the other thing I liked was uh, how you mentioned th three things that are important for professional development, especially the personalization uh, aspect of that. So if, you know, in the context of PD, professional development, what type of personalization should there be? Can there be? What should I look for as a teacher trying to find PD to attend? What are, what are some additional thoughts on that? So I think anything that gives choices to teachers that they can attend, um, I try to make sure I have choices. First of all, I need to know my teachers, who they are and what they need. And our LinkSpring platform lends itself to providing those choices for our teachers. They get to decide what they want to work on. We just want to say thank you once again for coming on the show. For everyone listening, please go check out Charity Dodd at Charity Dodd on Twitter. Also check out the Twitter chat, uh, capital B, capital L in action. You'll see us all there probably at some point. Um, definitely me and Charity. And then go over and check out Link as well. Everything will be in the show notes. Thanks once again, Charity. Thank you. It was a pleasure being on here. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.